You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Don't blame him for this. But, or maybe he was just really thinking about it. But he called it, and he should have called it. It's a black and white objective roughing the passer. He was way out of bounds. The contact was enough. I watched it from a few different angles. Did Mahomes sell it? I, I, maybe a little. I don't, it didn't flop. He was hit. And this was not... If you want to blame the officials for the loss, that's your, that's your prerogative. Hey, welcome into the program. It's Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lars and Christian. And we're talking about football over the weekend. I guess you can start with what happened on Saturday in Norman. Whoa! Somebody get the license plate of that bus that ran over Alabama? <laughs> Man, Oklahoma looked good, and Alabama obviously did not. Please, folks, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oklahoma's a good team. That's a great idea, the Big 12 versus the SEC. Well, uh, in my uh, in my memory, Lars, nobody, none of the SEC teams have ever really done well in this, except was it last year that Kentucky just put their foot up Kansas? I've but, covered some games there, too. That's a hostile environment, and um, I think – this this team has been under emotional distress for a while. I think it finally caught up with them. And uh, it's almost like you could see it coming based on the performance against Mississippi State. Um, and, hey, for those of us who were worried that Alabama was peaking too early <laughs> – don't have to worry about that anymore. No. I think this. Uh, good. I think I actually think uh, that beating, that beat down, will ultimately be therapeutic, and will be a moment worth remembering later in the season. Some of the players were a bit more vocal uh, about the Darius Miles situation, incident, tragedy um, after that game, and, and I think maybe you're right. Uh, it just kind of let it all out. Yeah, get rid of it. Get back to the SEC and plow through the tournament. Now, what happened yesterday was more than a little bit interesting because I never in my life thought Philadelphia would lay out San Francisco thirty-one to seven. And of course, the quarterback issue. The NFL has got to allow a third quarterback to be active on Sundays. That was just that was embarrassing. What were they going to do? Put in McCaffrey? I mean, essentially, they had McCaffrey throwing the ball. Or Brock, yeah. Brock Purdy couldn't throw it. Yeah, um, yeah they, they needed that third quarterback if, to be active. If and, not, to, if nothing else, at least for postseason. Yeah. But really, that could happen in any game. Yeah. So, very good point, Lars. But Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, way to go. Uh, just laid out San Francisco 31-7. to Now the speculation is on as to where D'Amico Ryans will end up, but that's probably a topic for later this week. By the way, Corey Miller, Christian Miller's dad, nine-year NFL vet, will join us here in just a little bit to talk about these games. 
Dad, you want to see a beat down coming. He is going to come after me. Well, you know, you kind of laid the carpet out there for that, didn't you? <laughs> it's, coming. Uh, it's coming. I know it's coming. But you it's, do, it, I feel like gotta, I feel like I'm standing in the pocket with no offensive line and both so Christian like and both Christian. Is that what yeah, it is? <laughs> both Christian and Corey are coming at me full throttle, and my feet are stuck in cement. Christian is with us, and uh, <laughs> want to bring him on and. I'm just going to go straight to this because you played the game. You've been there. You've been a linebacker. The late hit on Patrick Mahomes. Easy call. In my mind, there it, there's no I agree. There's no answer. It, I it agree. Was, it, it was a late hit. I think Patrick did it a little bit to try and sell it. Good. But he didn't need to. Yep. Christian, well, that was a even... late hit and a very – go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I don't even think he tried to sell it. I mean, he, he blatantly was pushed in the back – Look, if you look from the the rear uh, uh, view that they had, it it was clearly out of bounds by two yards, right? And you have to know as a defender, you cannot touch quarterbacks as it is. You definitely can't touch them when they're out of bounds, right? And you have to just have football knowledge, Matt. This is this is one of the most important pivotal points in the game. You can't afford a costly penalty like that. Now, I hate saying that one penalty or one play will define a game because it does not. And even though that did give them better field position to to kick a field goal, I'm not going to go as far as saying he cost them the game, but he definitely put them in a very big uh, and difficult situation to come out of because before the penalty, they still would have had a, what was it, like a 50-something yard field goal maybe, uh, you know, which is very possible for their kicker. Um, But you know, they, 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 it did not help getting that penalty, and you just have to be would have been like would have been like fifty six. Right. Yeah, so. uh, I have I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions for you, Christian. Um, I've never been that guy who complains about the refs, but you know what? I'm going to be that guy right now <laughs> because on that coming. same play, on that same play, you know. On that same play, Orlando Brown, Kansas City's left tackle, clear holding, clear holding on Trey Hendrickson, and they didn't call it. I mean, he just tackles the guy, and they he was he would have sacked Mahomes. That's the thing. Well, 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 hold on. No, they they called so much tick. They called ticky tack holding calls on the Bengals all night in critical situations on third and eight on third and seven that the Bengals convert and nothing they 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 called an intentional grounding on Burrow when Burrow basically he hits Pirine in the leg and on top of that the officials gave the Chiefs a freaking fifth down a fifth down at a critical juncture now I know they didn't convert but like what the heck is going on here yeah. All right. It's all I, a conspiracy. They did no, not want no. Cincinnati in the Super Bowl again. That's bad for the NFL image. It is. <laughs> no, I no, I I don't believe in the conspiracy talk. I just thought it was a, a very poorly refed game. Now and, I, I, I mean, agree with you, Christians. And that definitely happens. You look at the Lakers game. I know we're kind of shifting topics, but LeBron uh, was clearly hit in the wrist, um, which could have been the game-winning layup. It wasn't called. I think it goes for all sports, but you got to put yourself in the official shoes. It's live time. They're not going to be able to see everything. Now, do I agree that 
there were some calls or missed calls in this game that were questionable, of course. Uh, but the issue is uh, that's every game, every sport, and it's almost impossible to get it perfect. And and I'll be honest with you, my coaches used to tell us, especially in the NFL, they don't call holding. They don't call false starts. If you go watch the Eagles play Lane Johnson, these tackles nowadays – they jump the snap. They, they, they're kicking, getting a kick set before they're the awesome. balls even snap. I, I agree. I, it's a, it's amazing. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. that true? And I agree with you 100% Wasn't that true in both Christian. games? Those, those, I kept those, think, thinking, where's the flag? The here? tackles on both sides are jumping the snap. Yeah. I, they I, always I, do I, it. I and it. And it messes us edge um, guys up because we're, we're at a complete disadvantage because these guys are already – they're a half step ahead of us before we even get off the football. And that's what I'm saying, Lars. I know it's frustrating to see, but it really goes for both sides. I watch football nowadays. They don't ever call holding, man. They don't call it on either team. I watch, I literally watched, uh, Frank Clark. He was held bad. I mean, his arms were up and everything and, and no, no call. It's like as if they don't see it. So what I believe in is you just, you can't put the game in, a, in an official's hands. You, I know it's easy to, you no. know, point fingers and whatnot, but, you have to capitalize on your opportunities and you have to understand that there's going to be some calls in the game that don't go your way or there's going to be some no calls, uh, perhaps. But you have to do your best to capitalize and strike when the iron's tied and make the most of every single opportunity, especially in a big game like a playoff game. Yeah, and so th- that late hit, and it was a late hit, by Joseph Asai on Mahomes. Now, he was just trying to make a play. You know, he was just – it's the most important play of his career. He, he's in his third year from Texas. Uh, he uh, missed his rookie season. Excuse me. No, I think he's in his second year. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He's in his I third think second. Because he, he was second drafted. Second third. Second. Yeah, he's in, yeah, that's right. He's in his second year because he um, – in the very first preseason game on his first snap – he absolutely drilled Tom Brady, and it was a sack, and like everybody was going crazy. But then the next game, he tore his meniscus and then ended up missing his entire rookie season. So this was basically his rookie season. He's from Tech. He played at Texas. Uh, he was born in Nigeria, moved to the United States in 2010, and really well-liked among his teammates. And I'm going to get to more on that in a second. And, um, and, and uh, was coming on midway through the season to become probably the Bengals' best pass rusher. And I know that they have Hendrickson and Hubbard, but Osai, was their, like, he's their guy, really, their designated speed rusher, number 58. And to see him sobbing on the sideline was just gut-wrenching to watch. Just gut-wrenching. And the poor kid. And then he manned up and he spoke to reporters after the game. And I I suggest everybody to go find this clip on YouTube, Twitter, uh, TikTok, wherever. B.J. Hill, the Bengals' starting defensive tackle, is standing next to Joseph like he's his bodyguard. And if he didn't like a question, B.J. Hill, and B.J. Hill's a big dude, it was just like, he's not answering that. Next. You know, and to see him like, just defend Joseph and to show love and compassion was really powerful, I thought, Christian. And 
So first question, how hard is it? I know you've been in this situation so many times when it's, it's a, it, it is a critical point of the game. You're chasing the quarterback. You are, you're, you're, you're flashing your four or five speed, and he's and you're trying so hard to get to him. How difficult is it to stop? I mean, just to stop. You know, uh, he's. You know, he didn't mean to do that. Obviously, right? But how right. hard is it to 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 control yourself in that? To to train yourself to let up. Look, you know, it definitely is is tough, but I'll be honest, Lars, you have to make the smart football decision to know Pat Mahomes is already immobilized pretty much with his ankle. He's looking to get out of bounds. He's not trying to get much further. He was just trying to get the first and get out. And once you see him taking that angle towards the sideline, you have to pull back. I don't care if even if your body's still moving toward him, throw your hands up if you have to. You just you whatever you do, you can't put yourself in that position, and you just have to know um, from a football sense is it's situational awareness. You have to know. Look, the game is on the line. I can't afford a, a penalty right here. I have to let up, you know. And I, I feel for the guy because he was trying to make a play. Emotions are running high. They're trying to hurry up and 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 stop the Chiefs from getting in position to kick a field goal. But you have to know better. And and and, and again, he's a young guy though. He'll learn from this. And he'll know moving forward, you know, he'll never make this mistake again, hopefully. And a lot of people also will learn from it because it definitely could have been a costly mistake if you look at it. Yeah, and what he said after the game was he was trying to catch Mahomes to basically throw him back in bounds because the Chiefs were out of timeouts, and that would have been the last play of the uh, of the, of regulation. The game would have gone to overtime. Literally, it's a game of inches. Hey, man, I was really pulling for overtime. I wasn't ready for the day of football. To be no, not bad. No, uh, can't do that, man. I couldn't sit for no overtime on that one. <laughs> you couldn't have done overtime? Oh, no. That would have hey, gone uh, too long. Uh, Christian, um, I guess you and I just need to go ahead and sit on the sidelines because coming up, your dad's coming up, right, next after this break? That's right. Um, uh I'm just going to clear the path for Lars and Corey. This should be interesting. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. They say they'll get your biggest tax refund. Jackson Hewitt says your biggest tax refund guaranteed and a chance to double your tax refund. Cloudy and colder with periods of rain. Wednesday and Thursday, cloudy with rain likely. The high Wednesday, 55. Thursday's high, 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, Lars, Christian, Matt, Joe, Josh, Aiden, 
The gang is all here talking NFL football. And uh, with us is uh, Corey Miller. That's Christian Miller's dad who played nine years in the NFL. Lars, I just put the ball on the tee. So you guys, right, here we go. go back right. and forth. Yeah, um... First of all, good day, Corey. God bless. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Good day. God bless you all too. Yeah. All right, Corey. I am. Uh, I'm the guy standing in the middle of the train tracks. You're the freight train. You deserve it. Just you can run me over because you and I went at it pretty good. <laughs> so give us give us your uh, give us your analysis. Did the Bengals lose that game or did the Chiefs win that game? Well, you know, Lord, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna run over you, brother. I, you know, it was fun. I like that healthy debate, you know. Uh, but in all seriousness, nah, uh, Kansas City the Chiefs won the game, and I thought it was excellent how it played out. We knew it was going to come down to some kind of crazy play, you know, in overtime or in, in regulation that one of those quarterbacks were going to have to make a play to win the ball game. Joe Burrow, uh, whom people were saying the last couple of weeks the best quarterback in the league, which I really, really disagree with. Uh, he had an opportunity. The defense held up, gave him the ball back a couple of times in the fourth quarter, and he couldn't get it done. I made uh, mistakes. I know we talked about the penalties. We talked about, you know, all these things that went on in the game. But Cincinnati had their fair opportunity to win the game, and they did not capitalize. On the other hand, the other guy that people, you know, you know, said that had lost a little bit of traction, has lost to Joe Burrow three three games in a row, made plays. And he did it in a way that we never thought it would happen. And it was with his legs, with a great scramble, when you're talking about adrenaline, when you're talking about emotion, when you're talking about a, a will to win, to put your team on your back, knowing that that ankle is killing you. And we saw that the limping, but he had to be able to run to get to the first down, and he did that to get him a chance. Now, they had eight seconds. I know people said that cost him the game, but – even if they didn't get the penalty, they had eight seconds. And we've seen Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago, right, with 13 seconds, go down and get a field goal and win the game. So with eight seconds, you're going to run some kind of quick out, get five, eight yards, and you run your field goal on the field. So, listen, it was a fun game to watch, but I'm so excited to see what Patrick Mahomes was able to do, uh, take and win that ball game, especially when they said, oh, it's Burrow Wood, the mayor of Cincinnati, he's running his chops. You know, they coming at him like, hey, we are the team to beat in the AFC. Well, not just yet, folks. There's a guy down there by the name of Patrick Mahone boy, <laughs> Holmes, uh, said, no, not so fast. I'm still the best quarterback in the National Football League. So that was it. But I also told you, I was, I was going off. I said, Lars, number 95, Mr. Jones, you need to keep an eye on it. It's going to come down. This guy making a lot of plays, and they harassed that offensive line. They showed that they were backups in there, although Buffalo could not take advantage of that. But Kansas City with five sacks did just that in 95, man. After last year, had a couple opportunities, missed opportunities, I should say. He redeemed himself, and um, uh, that defense did what they had to do to stop the run and get pressure on Joe Burrow and won the game. You're totally right. Uh, I thought Chris Jones was actually the MVP of the game. And here's something I don't understand, and maybe you can help illuminate this or answer this question. Against Buffalo, as you mentioned, the two backups, uh, Adenajai and Sharpering, uh, played excellent, excellent football. 
and that offensive line dominated Buffalo. Well, this past week, or yesterday, according to Pro Football Focus, Adenajide gave up three sacks and eight pressures. Sharpering gave up nine pressures. And so they, they, they couldn't block anybody all, all night long. And mm-hmm. especially 95. And you called it. I mean, I, I give you credit. You called it. You said Chris Jones is going to wreak havoc. And I think Chris Jones single-handedly won the game because the Bengals had had their chances. They had their chance. Yeah. You know, I, I, I felt like Cincinnati had the Chiefs right where they wanted them. Tied at 20, about two and a half minutes to go, three timeouts, and the ball's in Joe Burrow's hands. What, what happens? Chris Jones gets a key sack. So how is it that these two backups, Sharperine and Adenajai, were so good against Buffalo and so terrible last night? Well, one is that uh, Kansas City has a much better uh, defensive front as far as rushing the pass. When you put Clark out there on the outside as well, the rookie they brought in was phenomenal. And Chris Jones, he can play up and down that line of scrimmage. And I think they did a great job of moving him around getting him some ice, though. Matter of fact, that last sack, they put him on the outside to go up against the tackle. I mean, so what a great job of defense coordinator, you know, just finding ways to get him going. And, and I do think last week against Buffalo, you know, the weather played a part. Chris can tell you when, you, when you're trying to pass rush, man, getting off the ball, getting off your spot, and then trying to have your weight shift and make moves, I mean, it's just slippery. It's just really hard that you can't go at it like you want to. I do think that was an issue, but, man, Kansas City can get up to the quarterback. People don't realize that they are second in the NFL behind Philadelphia as far as getting sacks. So that's what they do. Um, you know, they give up some plays because the secondary is young, but kudos to the secondary. At one point, they had all rookies back there. I mean, think about this. Patrick Mahomes was hurt. Travis Kelsey was hurt. They lost their top three wide receivers during the ball game. Uh, they lost a starting linebacker during the ball game. They lost their starting their best corner in that ball game last night and was still able to win. That's just an impressive win. I mean, to have those kind of injuries, you know, injuries, excuse me, you don't survive those things. But, but you know, listen, I'm excited because I do think when you look at these two young quarterbacks, and they're very young, that, you know, just down the road, we're going to see the Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. We're going to see the Drew Brees versus, you know, these types of guys, that, that type of matchup of quarterbacks. And I think it's great uh, for the NFL. I uh, hated to see it for the young man, but Christian was, 100% right. You just got to know, man. I mean, you know the sensitivity with quarterbacks, and you just got to pull up. I mean, you got to see he's already made the first down. I mean, he's going out of bounds. So you got to be able to pull up. He made a horrible mistake. Now, this was just week 12. Nobody would care. A week eight, right? Nobody would make made a big a point about it. It's just the game, but it's the game that gave him an opportunity to get the Super Bowl, which stings a lot for the Cincinnati Bengals and their fan base. But, listen, the kid played great uh, all game long. He was phenomenal. Um, I was glad to see some of his teammates decide to one number 57 head into the locker room with his stupid self. Uh, somebody need to backhand him. Um, because I yeah, him he's, I, I he's him. not coming back. <laughs> Jermaine Pratt is not coming back. I, I'm, I'm telling you, that was, that was just was uncalled terrible. for. He was screwed. Yeah, it was just it, it, it was hor- It was horrible. Uh, can I can I add on to that real quick, Lars? Yeah, can I add on to that real quick? 
So, yeah, my dad was exactly right when he was just talking about, number one, the weather plays a role. It's going to hinder those pass rushes. They're not going to really have the same get off or change of direction, really put their foot in the ground and really rush how they want to. So I, I would say the O-line was at an advantage there. But uh, the other thing he alluded to was the way they set Chris Jones up. So I'm going to tell you like this. This is what we do as defensive linemen, right? We point out the fish each week, which is the weak link of the offensive line, and we attack them. And what we and what I mean by that is we uh, determine how we're going to set our best pass rushers up with one on ones on that fish. So what they did was they went ahead and said, "Hey, these are backups in the game. We got Frank Clark, who's one of the best edge rushers in the league, and Chris Jones, who's arguably the best defensive tackle next to Aaron Donald." They said, "Hey, how can we get one on ones?" And things that you can do to do that is. You put guys, you mug them up, or you show uh, different mics. That way they have to slide the protection a certain way. Then they'll put Chris Jones on the side that they're going to slide away from. So he's one-on-one with that guard. Or if they put him in a five, one-on-one with that tackle. Because they know, hey, he's going to win this one-on-one. We just have to get him in a one-on-one. And so there's different ways to manipulate the offensive line pre-snap to get them to go ahead and designate a different mic to change their protection. And that's exactly what they did. So it was a great game plan by the uh, Kansas City defense to get those guys in those situations because they capitalized on that every time they got the opportunity to do that. Yeah, as a Bengals fan, you know, in the Super Bowl, we got Aaron Donald. And last (laughs) night, we got Chris Jones. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's, you know... It's tough. It's tough as a as a, I, as a Bengals fan. I, I I feel the hurt. I feel the the you know the, the just the disappointment in your voice. You know, and as a pastor or preacher, you know, you, you sense those things. I just want to say, you know, Lord, you know, be with my man Lars. I mean, you know, he's he was so excited. He thought he could see him to the future. He thought he could see these Bengals going to Arizona. But God, you had a different plan. Yeah, you have a different plan. Help him. Comfort him. Give him the peace that only you can give. And accept the loss from last night. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thy will be done. Hallelujah. Go. I, I, hey, and we just, by the way, we just watched the Super Bowl. We just watched the Super Bowl. Kansas City is going to lay the wood to Philadelphia. Really? Oh, whoa. Didn't you whoa. think that? Uh-oh. Well, he hey, needed, guess he needed, what? He we'll talk about that. Say yeah, a segment. We got to talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Yes, let's, Corey, let's please. Do. Let's do. Um, okay, we will. Let's talk well, a little Philadelphia when we get back on Big News Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Chris, this needs to go to Parkville by 3. Joy to the holiday packages that keep coming at Jimenez Couriers. Coming your way, but the drop-off location is changing. She needs delivery drivers with the gift. Back on Big Noon Sports, Corey Miller is our guest here, and we're talking about the National Football League. By the way, I just got to throw this uh, out real quickly to Christian Miller. The name Fish, that is the most appropriate name for a weak link I've ever heard. Because they stink, right? They smell like a fish. 
I don't oh, know where it yeah. came from for sure, but it, that's what we call it. We always say, we, hey, who's the fish this week? And we're going to point them out, and we're going to expose them in any way we can. Well, Christian, have you ever shaken the hand of a man who uh, just barely barely shakes your hand back? I mean, my dad always called that giving you the dead fish. Well, <laughs> it, that's usually a dude who doesn't look you in the eye as well. It, uh, <laughs> that makes me want to run. Just get away from that person as quickly as possible. <laughs> when a woman has a firmer handshake than her date, the, <laughs> yeah. there, there's an issue. Um, all right, I want to uh, let's let's get on Philadelphia and San Francisco. I hated to see Purdy go down. Uh, it it changed the course of the game for the moment. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure it was going to change the outcome. It might have been a closer game. But I want to I want to stick up for San Francisco because they were totally robbed by the official throughout the game. Okay, yeah, a little sarcasm there. Yeah, yeah. But, you're, how, you're, but you're, how about you're, you're, the Vontae Smiths no catch? How does that go untouched? How does oh, it go it unclaimed? Yeah. Uh, horrible job by the 49ers coaching staff. I, I agree, I and it wasn't the first they, mistake they made. Well, they have been set up, Go ahead, Matt, where they, they have it set up, Matt, where if there's ever a questionable catch or a play, that the offense will immediately they, – they have signals almost where they hurry up and get on the ball, yeah. and they almost have a designated play that they go to uh, before they can review it. And that's exactly what they did. It was a great – uh, job of them implementing that and, and executing it because they got on the ball quick. They ran a play and it was too late. So that's exactly what that's set up for. And uh, they did a, they did a great job. And again, if the refs don't catch it in time, they get the playoff. It is what it is, and and anybody's allowed to do it. You know, it might not be fair, but it's part of the game, and, and that's what they do. Well, well aren't you also, as a coach? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Go go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. I'm sorry. Yeah, the coach is also waiting to the uh, right angle. And by the time they could get that angle to see if that he dropped the ball, it was too late. Like, Devontae knew he dropped the ball. So he was telling them to, to go, 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 go. I didn't catch it, right? He was giving that signal of, like, like pumping his fist together type thing and to Jalen, like, let's go. Uh, so that signified that, hey, we, 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 I didn't catch the ball. So, But the coaches, because of the, the weird angle, how he contorted his body and was able to, to kind of hide it, they could not see in time that he the pass was incomplete to throw the challenge flag so it was just really just a just a tough situation that they ran into there because they could not see it until it was too late but but i mean how many times have we seen Devontae though at alabama those one hand catching the back of the end zone and a dude that with that little slim body you know the slim reaper man uh, make those incredible catches or no catch in this 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 situation but yeah they could not see it the angle we saw and that's what um Coach said, he said, man, we didn't see the angle that you guys saw on TV. So that that told me why he didn't throw the challenge flag. But don't uh, – I'll go to Christian first and then uh, and then to Corey. If you see an opposing wide receiver get up yeah. and, and, and do that with his hands saying, hey, we got to go fast, we got to go fast, that tells me that he believes he didn't catch the ball. And this was sure. such a key moment in the game because it was fourth down. Right, it was fourth yeah, down, yeah. and uh, and 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 then, man, just take a chance and throw the challenge. I mean, I, I just, yeah. or, or Christian, I I did, I just, I don't get that. Yeah, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but you're right. I guess that's a great point. If you do see the receiver acting in a frenzy to get on the, the line of scrimmage to run a play, yeah, I, I think it is worth throwing a challenge flag. But at the same time. 
this is this is a crucial game, and you really want to be smart with your timeout because you don't want to waste one. Um, and, and again, without seeing it, usually you have at least uh, one you know angle on the you know the jumbo trying to kind of get an idea. They didn't even really have that luxury, so I think in his head it was just no. a too risky just to throw it. You know, Corey brought up a great point, and it, and it's one I I noticed immediately. The true angle that showed it was incomplete was not put up until after the Philadelphia Eagles had gotten back to the line of scrimmage and run a play. That was it. And you're right, Corey. They were waiting to get that angle, and they never got it. But when they did discover the angle, there was absolutely no question that that ball was not caught. Philadelphia handled it perfectly. San Francisco, excuse me, literally, figuratively, San Francisco dropped the ball. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And, um, you know. Yep. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think ultimately it didn't. Ultimately, it didn't have an influence on who was going to so. win the game. No. I mean, Philadelphia, uh, once both uh, uh, Purdy and the backup were hurt, uh, F- San Francisco had no had no chance. And, and so, Corey, my, my question to you is: Do you think the NFL needs to look at allowing that third quarterback? to be uh, able to dress in the playoffs. And so maybe instead of – I think you just dress 45. Maybe you can dress 46 so you have three quarterbacks because that game just turned into a joke once uh, uh, once the the, the backup went down and you had to put Purdy in, and you know Purdy can't throw the ball more than three yards. Johnson. Yeah, it was hard to watch. It was was hard to watch, man, because – Johnson looked so scared. I mean, they just dropped the snap. I mean, the dude was nervous. I mean, he just I mean, the kid's been on thirteen different teams, thirteen in his young career. Um, but once Purdy got hurt, you kind of knew that offense was dead in the water. Um, Philadelphia is very easy defensively. You just stack the box, eight men in the box. You know they can't throw the football. You have zero chance. So, I mean, to me that was, you know, and I tweeted this. I mean, it's unfortunate, but. That that's how Philadelphia's going to go into the playoffs because I think if Purdy would have stayed healthy, think about the job that defense was doing. They only gave up two hundred and what sixty-eight total yards. Jalen did not play well in the ball game. I mean, so the defense did what they could do to keep them in, in the ball game. So if Purdy doesn't go down, we might be having a different story. I mean, because that defense did their job and got frustrated in the end, and you know they had to go for it on fourth down, gave them short field. So. It was just an ugly football game, but to answer your question, Lawrence, 100%, they should have an emergency quarterback that's allowed to dress in these types of situations because if you lose both quarterbacks, you have the game's over, game set match. There's no way you're going to win. For a guy that played in for 13 different teams, he he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, uh, I thought he was going to play better than that. But it was. It was. Uh, I uh, thought a lot of things that didn't come to pass this weekend. That <laughs> uh, time he fumbled the snap, <laughs> and then he turned around and fumbled it, trying to recover it. It's just like that guy was nineteen years old uh, when, in fact, he's like thirty-five, thirty-six. Yeah, he's bounced around the league a lot, uh, and I, I, I actually thought he was going to come in and play well. Yeah, he's. Um... Let's, let's just say this, though, to your point, though, Lars, because going to break, you said that Philadelphia was going to get beat down. 
Um, and I'm not yeah. ready to go there yet because what I'm concerned about is the running game of the Eagles. I mean, that's what's, that's where they're getting it done. I mean, Jim is a better passer. He's more efficient. He, he's, he's a great leader. We know that. He, he's, he's a winner. But he has struggled the last couple of times out against the Giants to end the season. Last night he missed some big throws, some deep throws. Uh, and now he ran and did well when he had to. But the problem Kansas City has is the fact that they can't stop the run, I don't think. I think they did last night against Cincinnati. Sorry, Lars. But at the end of the day, they are horrible <laughs> at stopping the run. And, and, and so uh, if they can run the football, guess what that means? They keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Ball control and their defense is phenomenal. they got the best pass rushing rate, the most sacks. I mean, Chris's old teammate, uh, son Reddick, is just playing out of his brain right now, coming off the edge. You know, they got Slay, they got uh, Bradbury at the corners, they got good safety play. Uh, the defensive run overall is good, so it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to win this ball game. Uh, you know, of course, with the, the, the Bama guys, you want to pull for them, them to win the Super Bowl. I think they got four. Josh Job is on that roster, I believe, as well. But uh, I think it's going to be hard for Kansas City because the defense, the defense is great. They can run the football. And guess what? It travels, and that's the recipe for Super Bowl champions. Just saying. I hope Landon's all right. Yeah. Uh, Joe, by the way, played pretty. I mean, he another rookie playing a defensive backfield. Um, had a pretty good game, but, of course, he made a really dumb penalty. Didn't he have a late hit out of bounds yeah. or something like that? On the, on the other side, I want to talk. Uh, Corey, can you stay with us, or do you, do you have to run? I have nothing to do. Love being with y'all. I'm right here, buddy. All right. On the other side, I want to ask you guys about uh, the development of Jalen Hurts, who is one of Christian's uh, closer friends. That's up on Big Noon Sports. Thanks for dialing us in. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here at Boot Barn, our objective is to build the perfect boot. We do take our time ensuring that every step is done correctly. For a boot to last you for a lifetime, you've... Cloudy and colder with periods of rain. Wednesday and Thursday, cloudy with rain likely. The high Wednesday, 55. Thursday's high, 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Risk off a route route three Out past where the black top ends We'd walk to church on Sunday morning Just to uh, throw you a note on Joshua Javon Johnson That's J-Cubed Quarterback played at San Diego Not San Diego State Played at Division II school um, He's 36 years old This is his fourth Time to be on the 49ers roster. Four. <clears throat> I just thought that was crazy. Anyway, uh, welcome back to Big Noon Sports. <clears throat> it's Lars and Christian and Corey Miller as well as uh, we continue to go over the NFL games from this past weekend. I know we'll have you on at least once, if not twice, before the actual Super Bowl, but let me just cut to that for a moment, Corey. Uh, you okay. kind of hit on it a minute ago. Who who do you like right now on the Monday following the conference championship? You know, as I said, you know, with the ability that the Philadelphia has to run the football, um, with those backs, I mean, they're a dynamic 
they put so much pressure on the defense as far as angles and pressure on those ends of you know taking the quarterback or you, you go down and take the dive they get big chunk plays uh Devonte and, and of course brown is, is amazing receivers but the defense to me uh is what's going to make the difference i mean the eagles can just get get so much pressure on the quarterback and and I know I've had numerous high ankle sprains, and I know Patrick Mahomes probably going to be about 70, 75%, but he still won't be able to uh, evade and, and then just get away from that rush with the speed that they have with Reddick on the outside. I'm just concerned about it, and I don't know what's going to be the health of those three wide receivers that, that went out in the ball game. It's going to be really hard. Um, and, and I got Philadelphia winning. I got Jalen Hurts uh, going to show up big. I think he'll make big plays in this ball game. I think he's going to. He won't win the NFL Player of the Year, but he's going to win the Super Bowl MVP. And um, and the bait will begin, as it already has, is who's going to claim this kid. Will it be Alabama or Oklahoma? But uh, I'm sure Tide fans are going to say he is born and raised in Alabama down in Titletown, and he's going to win another title this time with an MVP. So I got the Eagles. Listen, it pains me to say this. I'm, I'm Big Blue. I'm a Giants fan. They embarrassed us. I hate the Eagles. I hate their fan base. I hate everything about them, but because of Jalen Hurts, Devontae, Joe, uh, uh, the big lineman that, that also transferred from Florida State. Uh, so I got to pull for those guys. But in my breakdown, I think uh, Philadelphia's going to win this ballgame. Corey, I, I wrote a book with Bruce Arians called The Quarterback Whisperer. And in the book, Bruce talks about how it's been his experience that a quarterback by the age of about 20 or 21, he either has uh, a sense of accuracy and timing or he doesn't. But Jalen Hurts has improved so much since he was 20 years old at Alabama uh, to now, have you been surprised by his development? Just specifically focusing on his accuracy, down the field accuracy. Uh, no, I have not. I mean, I, I knew Jalen had a strong arm because I, you know, sitting at, at Alabama. But being really good friends with Avery and his father, who's a high school football coach in Houston, um, he and I had had numerous conversations about uh, Jalen's ability to throw the football. And people said that he would not make it in the NFL. He doesn't read defenses, those types of things. He's the typical dual threat. But one thing I knew just by, talk, by talking with Evian and, and Jalen at times, his ability to work and get better. And I think after he lost to the GOAT at Tampa and, and they couldn't throw the football at all, he went to work. And uh, I'm impressed by his just, you know, the skill to be able to go get better, to go work on, you know, his throwing motion, his throwing angles, you know, studying defenses and that type of thing. And the fact that Sirianni has put together an offense that takes advantage of his skill set and, you know, you bring in, I, I think it was a big free agent pickup in Brown, a big body guy that can run slants, that can get in that RPO game, that can catch balls over the middle. Then you got a guy on the outside like Devontae who can, you know, win the 50-50 balls with his great vertical ability, great hands. Uh, they just got everything working together, but I'm not shocked at all. And I, I actually said to people, Jalen was going to do well. It just it was a matter of getting with the right team, implementing the right system that can take advantage of his skill set. And, and, man, that's where he's at right now. Just really beautiful to see, knowing that we all know what he went through, right? You know, being benched to Tua, having to sit behind Tua, and coming in and, and saving Alabama, didn't didn't gripe, didn't complain. 
Um, just a perfect dude, man. Uh, I'm so happy for him and his family. And I'm really, I'm just hoping that they get the Super Bowl because a guy like that deserves it because he's been through it and uh, he worked his tail off. And I'm, I'm hoping that he will host that trophy. And, and Christian, what is it that Philadelphia does with their offensive system that is specifically tailored to Jalen's strengths? Well, first and foremost, their offensive line is elite, right? And that that is critical. If you watch them, I mean, the way they block in the running game, the pass game, they are dominant, and that helps tremendously. But you look at what they do, they run the ball effectively. They use the RPO system, so that puts a lot of stress on these linebackers. They implement the quick game and, and screen game to kind of neutralize pass rush and to kind of set up other plays. Um, they just do so many things well, and it just he's a perfect fit for this system, and that's why they're so appreciative of him because he's the quarterback they need to be successful in Nick Sirianni's offense. And you see that week in and week out. And guys like Devontae Smith and uh, and, and Brown, they just man, they they all complement each other so well that it just works out perfectly. But I'm just so happy for Jalen and his success. You know, he's so deserving. I mean, he's always displayed these maturity and leadership qualities since I've known him. Um, you know, that was demonstrated like in the championship game. You know, he was replaced by Tua and to, to show such poise and to come back and just, you know, really stick it out and, and just do what was asked of him. I was always impressed about that. But if you watch him, man, he just has the perfect balance of poise and confidence. And I'll tell you, he's very confident in himself. He doesn't care if you doubt him um, because he knows how hard he works and what he does day in and day out. And, uh, uh, again, everything he does, he tries to be the best, whether it's on the football field or in the weight room. You'll see him squat 600 pounds. He competes with anybody and everybody. So um, I'm not surprised by his success, and I'm very happy for it. Hey, Corey, we're going to let you go. Yes, sir. We'll do another hour of this. And uh, please join us again maybe later in the week or s- certainly the week leading up to the Super thank, Bowl. Thank you for not beating me up too bad, Corey. I, I think he it. was I like. I love you, Corey. He was he was so Love kind. You, man. Grace, we all need grace, man. God bless y'all. Enjoy your show, Absolutely. Man. When we come back, we are going to talk a little uh, college basketball. Brian Passink will be on to talk about what, whoa, what happened in Norman uh, Saturday afternoon. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. I studied Spanish in college and never got fluent, but then I tried Babbel. Want the most effective way to learn another language? In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel's bite-sized lessons will have you learn. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt, Lars, Christian. Talking about yesterday in the NFL, and uh, we're going to talk a little Alabama basketball later on this hour as well. But, uh, of course, Philadelphia slammed the 49ers 31-7. to And Kansas City uh, kicked a field goal last second, end of the game. It was tied 20-20. Chiefs make the field goal. Chiefs go on to the Super Bowl once again under now, over and around the arm of one Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Oklahoma did slam Alabama 93-69. to uh, Keep in mind, this is not as big as it used to be. In fact, I think it's maybe 10% of what it used to be. But Wednesday is signing day. And it's estimated that Alabama's going to add a, another five-star or two to give them a remarkable class that has nine 
yes, nine five-star recruits. And by the way, they were five-star before they signed with Alabama, right? Yeah. I, 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 somebody's going to have to explain to me how they get better simply because they signed with Alabama. Um, I, I guess, you know, it's just like the richer getting richer, and if they think he's that good, then maybe he's not a four, he's a five. It's the only explanation. Uh, tough weekend for um, for Georgia. Stetson Bennett was arrested for um, public intoxication. I believe he was in Dallas. And then in the uh, the tragic accident that took uh, Stafford, offensive lineman from Georgia, in a horrible car accident. They are now, Georgia has now released information that that car was not to be used. It was for recruiting purposes only. This was not recruiting. And um, I think that's a situation where Georgia's going, hey, they did this on their own. Don't you feel like they're trying they're, to distance yeah, them? They issued a statement that was clearly written by a lawyer. And uh, there's, you know, it's it, it's huge tragedy. Uh, but uh, there will be lawyers involved here. Uh, and it's it, it could possibly get lucky. Or get, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm about to talk about Marlon Lucky. That's why I said that. It's about to get ugly. Marlon Lucky is the last five-star recruit at Nebraska. Market, 104. You know when Marlon Lucky was recruited? 2005. That's the last time Nebraska had a five-star recruit. Alabama's about ready. Years. <laughs> Alabama's about ready to have what you said eight or nine, eight nine nine. It's anticipated that nine nine. I, I, <laughs> it's just insane. Which, by the way, you brought up the the corner from Nebraska, Cam Taylor Britt. Do you know where he's from? I don't. Montgomery, Alabama. He was a quarterback, highly touted, but Nebraska scooped him up, turned him into a corner, and then he started his freshman year. Yeah, excuse me, rookie. No, he's he's a great he's a great player, and he's going to be uh, their uh, number. He actually already is their number one corner, and uh, he had another strong game. Another strong game, Christian. Do you what were you a uh, four star or a five star coming out of high school, or did you even care? Oh, I really didn't care if I'm honest with you, but I was a four star on most services. I think one site had me as a five star by the end of my senior campaign and I was signed with Alabama. I ended up being the number one outside linebacker on ESPN site, but then consensus was like number three. Um, Rashawn Evans, who also signed here with me, he was uh, number one or two, depending on the site. So I ended up, you know, bumping up a little bit, uh, by the end of, you know, my recruiting cycle. Um, but so it's, typically I was a four star, but I think on like one side or so I was a five star. Christian, as long as we're going back to your high school days, a uh, couple of rapid fire questions for you. Um, I'm assuming, as you just said, you played outside linebacker. Did, was yeah. your role with your high school team similar to what it ended up at, at Alabama? Do you remember how many sacks you had your last year? And did you play offense? So that's a great question. All great questions, Matt. So role was similar. Uh, played a little more off the ball sometimes, uh, which helped me show my versatility. And uh, But for the most part, I was, you know, rushing off the edge in a stand-up outside linebacker position. Um, I Humbly, I'm saying this in a humble way, uh, but I set every sack record at my high school 
sacks in the game, sacks in the season, sacks in the career. Uh, I think my senior season I had 24 sacks for a career I had 39. Um, so yeah, I was I was pretty effective off the yeah, edge in high school at uh, Spring Valley High School. Um, it was all offense, yes. So they always try to get me to play offense, and I never wanted to do it. They wanted no parts of it. But my senior year, they said, "Look, man, you got to do it for the team. We need a tight end." So I was like, "All right, that's fine. We don't really use a tight end. We run a wing T." So I go in. We call it a two formation. So they're like, "We just need you on two formations." So I said, "All right, we'll do it." So I ended up playing some tight end. I caught my first touchdown pass, which is which is awesome. And I was like, "Dang, I should have been playing tight end. This ain't bad." And then I actually started enjoying <laughs> the blocking side of it. I was like. I can just be physical as a blocker and just kind of treat it like defense. So I just, anytime I line up to block, I was like, hell, I just had, like I'm tackling somebody, you know, obviously I'm not tackling them, but just be physical like that. And I was like, man, it's in a bad position. So yeah, my senior I mean, year, they, they finally got me to play tight end. <laughs> you have the build of a tight end, yeah, you right? Do. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I probably would have made a great tight end if I started early. The problem was I probably didn't have the best hands. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. I don't have the greatest hands. That touchdown I caught, you know, I just ran a simple little post in the end zone and it just threw it up to me. I was open. Um, so yeah, I, I could make simple catches, but I wasn't one of those gifted guys. My brother now, he played tight end in high school and, uh, man, he was, he was honestly a better athlete than me. He ended up just playing a little more basketball, but he, uh, he had great hands. He could run around. He didn't line him up at running back sometimes, play defensive end. He's the same size as me. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he got blessed with the hands. I got blessed with more the defensive style of hands, like hand combat, physical hands, being able to use them to pass rush, but he got the pass catching hands. So when you're in high school and, uh, I assume you went against some guys who obviously didn't go on to play at Alabama and you just knew you could <laughs> smoke them. Um, God, that wouldn't even be fair. But what what would offenses try to do to uh, mitigate you to 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 make sure that uh, you know you don't end up just like just blowing past this offensive tackle who has no business trying to block you? You know the crazy thing, Lars, is sometimes they really wouldn't even do that. I didn't understand it because I would just have one on ones with tackles for like a whole first half, and I don't know if they just thought that they could just ah they could just get their playoff or what they try to do like quick game or screen but i'll be honest i would just run past these tackles half the time and then eventually they try to put their running back on that side to help chip but typically he'd be scared because you know high school running backs aren't you know big so they see a big big recruit coming off the edge (laughs) they don't want to block me either so guys are kind of just get out the way a little bit <laughs> but yeah the, really the the biggest thing that they'd start doing was they'd try to cut block me anytime they got because they knew it would slow me down that's one way to neutralize a pass rusher you start going at his knees he's going to be a little hesitant and so that's that's the biggest thing that they would do is they try to cut block me and i hated it and when did you commit to alabama it was was it during your senior year or junior year so i was they started talking to me uh, after my sophomore year, and then I ended up committing to Florida, actually, at the end of my junior year in spring. And then I was committed there for a few months and ultimately ended up uh, committing to Alabama. I want to say, and I could be wrong, but I want to say it was around July. Right, I said I wanted to commit and be, have it all out the way going into my senior year. I wanted to focus on football. I wanted to be a high school student. I wanted to be done with the glitz and glam 
all the phone calls. So I think I went ahead and got it done. I could be wrong. It's just kind of crazy. I don't even remember off the top of my head, but well, I want to say it just, was around it's July. Interest- it's just interesting to me, like, how did your life change when suddenly you're not just Christian Miller? You're Christian Miller, the kid who's going to Alabama, oh, Alabama, Bama, dude. right? Oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that definitely uh, was a thing. I mean, back home, like, anytime you played somebody, I mean, all eyes were on you. That's the Alabama commit. That's Alabama commit. And I took pride in it, but it was kind of frustrating because – some people would almost like use it to take shots at you or they'd be jealous. And, and again, I was, you can ask anybody from where I'm from. I didn't even wear Alabama gear. I didn't brag about it. I didn't even talk about it. I wanted to get it out the way and I just look forward to it in the future. But it was one of those things, man. And I mean, all eyes were on you. And it was like a blessing and a curse. It was great because it's great to have that notoriety and it's something you can be very prideful of. But it also it just comes with a lot of, a lot of trash talk, a lot of people being jealous of you, a lot of people just, you know, if, if you have one off play, everybody, they'd start chanting. I mean, I remember playing, not have chance. You know, people just, I can't even remember. But I remember one time I was like overrated or something. I don't have, I have two sacks in the game. I'm like, uh, tell me how that makes sense. But yeah. it, it, it's definitely, it's, it Did definitely you, changes. When you commit to Alabama, it, it adds a lot of weight to your name. It definitely does. Did you did you feel like anybody in high school tried to intentionally hurt you? I wouldn't They're say intentionally hurt me, but they were there. They were cut blocking. They would try to do what they could to mess with me, but I wouldn't say, you know, to take me out and like really, you know, alter my career and my career. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go as far as saying that, but they definitely would try to hinder you or limit you in a football game because, I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, you're, you're wrecking havoc on their offensive line, so I don't blame them. <laughs> Oh, good discussion. Good insight. Absolutely. Hey, let's talk some basketball. Brian Passink on the other side of this break. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Milk, eggs, 42 bucks. Ma'am, you okay? Need bucks? With Jackson Hewitt, don't wait weeks for the IRS to send your tax. 100.9 app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky will stay mostly cloudy this afternoon and tonight. The high today, 58. The low tonight, 44. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder with periods of rain. Wednesday and Thursday, cloudy with rain likely. The high Wednesday, 55. Thursday's high, 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. been on it recently he's been telling us that something like this will do to happen and um you know we didn't really listen we didn't come out ready to fight um so we just the locker room we just focused on getting better uh you know there was a point where we kind of 
you could kind of feel that we thought we were kind of untouchable. But today we came out lost, and Coach Oates has been warning us about something like this happening. So now that we see that, then we need to come back out with an edge on our shoulder and start the games off better. Michael. Back on Big Noon Sports, it's Alabama talking about their loss at OU. Oh, man, the Sooners laid it to Alabama, 93-69. to 69. I actually got the tip-off time mixed up, and I thought it was uh, an hour later. So when I flipped over, it was like midway through the second half, and it was a 25-point game. And I was going, okay, what's on uh, ESPN2? <laughs> Anyway, uh, join us to talk about that game is Brian Passink. He's a color analyst for the Crimson Tide Sports Network for basketball. Um, he was there in Norman, and, um, you know, I said at the very beginning of the show, Brian, did somebody get the license plate of that bus that just ran through it, clocked Alabama? Uh, I'm uh, I'm guessing it didn't look any better courtside. Matt, you were not the only one who didn't show up for the first half of that game. Uh, <laughs> That, oh, good. That that was uh, you missed nothing. Um, no, listen, Oklahoma was great. They played um, an incredible game. Shot the lights out. Uh, you can make the argument that Alabama uh, was a reason they shot it so well. It's was it was hard to shoot. I don't know. I mean, Alabama didn't guard, uh, it, which is something we're not used to saying. They've been really good defensively all year long. Didn't have a great game. Uh, on either end of the floor, but to Oklahoma's credit, they got some open shots and they did not miss. And even when Alabama had them pretty well guarded, they they made those as well. If you outshoot your opponent percentage wise from the three point line, then they shoot from the free throw line. Uh, you're typically going to win those games, and it's not going to be close. And that was the case, unfortunately, for Alabama. Brian, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before we get into sort of the details of the game, I want to ask you a question about the students rushing the floor. I am of the belief that something terrible is going to happen soon uh, when students rush the floor. Now you, and that's what Oklahoma did after after the game. Now you, as a broadcaster, you're 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 down there, right on the floor. Do you ever get nervous, or do you ever have just cause for concern when that happens? Well, first of all, um, I'm trying to remember the last time I witnessed it. I don't even remember. Um, it's it's not something that that I that you want. It certainly is an opponent. Um, I think the last time I can remember, maybe the only time Alabama rushed the floor was. The O2 uh, championship that Petway hit a layup uh, to win the SEC championship on the buzzer, on the final buzzer, and uh, and and th- there was a little bit of a, of a, a court storm in that situation, um, but I don't remember another one. And I mean, listen, I I was never at the at the time I wasn't worried. Um, the security at um, Noble Center did a good job of kind of roping off the players and keeping the the fans on um, kind of away from them. But yeah, I mean, it it could be a, a dangerous situation. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit part of the tradition of college basketball. 
Uh, so it, it doesn't bother me, but could it get tricky? Yes, uh, it could, but I'll give uh, the, the Oklahoma uh, security personnel and, and ushers and those sort of things a lot of credit. They, they roped uh, the students and fans away from the players, and, and fortunately there was no incident. Brian, do you see this loss, this kind of drastic loss, being an opportunity for these guys to kind of hit the reset button and kind of, you know, come back together and and, and really get back to playing how they were playing previously? I do. I think it can be a good thing. And uh, as a guy you're familiar with once said, "Don't waste a failure," and and it was it was a rough outing Saturday for Alabama in, in a year where there have not been much to complain about. And during the SEC season, Alabama has been so good. I think there are four or five teams ever that won their first conference games by double digits, uh, at least double digits in all of them. So not only had Alabama um, been rolling, but, I mean, in a big way against some really good teams in SEC play. And this team has been battle-tested. They've had success. They've had success on the road. Coming into Saturday was only – I think four or five teams in the country that were undefeated on the road. Alabama is one of them. So, yes, this can get your attention uh, as a player. I would expect it to. I think guys may be a little more dialed in to practice and scouting reports and individual matchups and just playing with an edge that we've seen the majority of the season. Uh, so that's that's the beauty of sports. It's the beauty of college basketball that that uh, you get to to redeem yourself and quickly. Uh, it's a big game tomorrow night against Vanderbilt, a team that is capable of coming to Tuscaloosa and winning. Uh, they were without their best player in the first matchup. Liam Robbins, the seven-foot center uh, for Vanderbilt, uh, was not available. They'll play tomorrow, from what I understand, and uh, they'll be a better team, and hopefully Alabama will play much better than we've seen the last couple of games. Brian, the more I look at Oklahoma, the more confused I get as how Alabama lost and how did they lose by 26. Oklahoma opened the season by losing to Sam Houston. Did you all hear me? <clears throat> they lost to Sam Houston. They're 12-9 and nine overall. They're eighth in the Big 12. Um, <clears throat> did they just – was it a fluke that they played that well? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe is it a flip? They shot 70% from three, maybe? I mean, you know, there's going to be a game or two where you do that. Uh, they did it against the top five defensive team in the country. I think you dig a little deeper into Oklahoma and realize that I think four of their losses are one-possession games against top 25 teams. Uh, so they were right there. They're competing with some of the best teams in the country uh, and very easily could have won all those, and they'd be leading maybe the best conference in college basketball right now, and we'd have a much different opinion of them. Uh, NATO said before the game that this Oklahoma team was much better than their record, and that was the case. Uh, I'm not sure that they'll shoot like that again, um, but Alabama has to take the mindset, and I believe they will, that you can't allow your, your opponent to shoot like that. Um, I would expect a much better defensive performance uh, tomorrow night and moving forward, but this is as, as we talked about, an opportunity to hit the reset button. Um, but I, I don't think the Alabama coaches were at all surprised uh, with how good Oklahoma was. Uh, they're a team that I think could easily get on a roll, get in the NCAA tournament, 
and uh, have a chance to do some damage. If they shoot like that, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't know that they're losing to anybody, but, um, you know, that, that is something that, that uh, I think Alabama could have done a better job defensively, and that is not something we have said all year long. This team has been really good against one of the best schedules in the country on the defensive end. There have been a couple of games where they haven't been um, what we're used to. The Gonzaga game is one. I think the Zags shot um, around 70% in the second half. Oklahoma, um, under Grant Sherfield and company, shot shot the lights out. And, and you know, that, that was an impressive performance by the home team. They played with an edge and toughness, things that we're used to seeing Alabama playing with. Um, you know, hopefully it's just a, a one-game situation where you, you get uh, you get back home, have a bit of a reset, get get your mind focused, and uh, turn things around the rest of the season. You go back to two years ago, uh, Alabama was undefeated in conference play, uh, lost a, a disappointing loss to Oklahoma and Norman, uh, did, didn't suffer a conference loss, and was able to have a reset without taking the loss in conference, went on to win the SEC regular season. The great thing for Alabama is while it was a disappointing game and a disappointing loss and performance and all those things, um, you don't have a loss in the column still in SEC play. We just hope that remains tomorrow night against the Vanderbilt team that just like Oklahoma is capable of beating you if you don't come to play. And hopefully Alabama will and have a chance to get things going in the right direction. Brian, the Alabama players and staff have been through a lot of emotional trauma uh, after the fatal shooting of Jamia Harris. Um, and it, it seemed like, from what I have read and what Matt and I were talking about earlier, that the players were more open to talking about Darius Miles after the game. Uh, do you get a sense that they – that that – this this tragic event finally sort of just caught up with them emotionally, and uh, or, or is it just me trying to play amateur psychologist here? Well, I mean, it's a great question, and I don't know the answer to it. I can tell you this: um, it has been a very difficult emotional time for these players, coaches, managers, everybody affiliated with the program. So, to ask the question, has it? maybe caught up with them a little bit, I think is a legitimate question. I just don't know the answer. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know that they have done a good job, at, at least in the immediate game or two after that, of kind of um, focusing it on the task at hand and, and not thinking about those things. Easier said than done. But I do think it's a legitimate question. I just don't know the answer. Brian, you mind previewing the, the next matchup, who they take on next, and uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, tomorrow night's a really good Vanderbilt team. And, you know, a lot like Mississippi State, Oklahoma, Vanderbilt is a team that uh, their record may not scare you. Uh, but when you dig deeper and look at the job that Jerry Stackhouse does in game planning and preparing, uh, he, he's as good as there is in the SEC. And he's he's had his moments against Alabama and uh, that that is a dangerous game with Liam Robbins back, a seven-footer who could step out and shoot the three. He was their leading scorer before he got hurt, didn't play in the first game. Um, they're going to be a better team 
more confident. They had Texas A&M on the ropes on Saturday, ultimately lost a close game. Um, but this is a Vanderbilt team that if Alabama doesn't come to play and play well, that is a very losable game. And I think it's an important game for Alabama after a couple of disappointing performances, uh, a win, a close win against Mississippi State, uh, a bad loss to Oklahoma. It's important for Alabama to come in and play well and get a victory. Brian, great stuff. Have another wonderful broadcast tomorrow night. And hopefully the result will be uh, much more in Alabama's favor. Thanks, man. You are always. I want to tell everybody that's listening to Big Ben Sports right now. I don't think in a year and a half, and even back in the day that I was at another station, Brian Passink has ever turned down an interview. And uh, hey, that you know that means a lot to those of us in the business. So, that being said, well, have a great day. I appreciate y'all having me. I always enjoy being on with you and love talking Bama hoops. So thanks for having me. You betcha. All right. Uh, Things are going to change after 5 p.m. at McDonald's. We'll talk about that in a minute. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Here at Boot Barn, our objective is to build the perfect boot. We do take our time ensuring that every step is done correctly. For a boot to last you for the lifetime, you've got... All right, all right. Let's get back to the show. Let's get back to the phones. You can dial us up, whether you're in Gadsden, Anniston, Birmingham, or Tuscaloosa. Just dial 205-342-9904. Again, that's uh, 205-342-9904. Call us up. All right, quickly, I tease this going to the break, and I am going to let part of the information come out initially because I was kind of duped by it. But it said things to change at McDonald's <clears throat> after 5 o'clock in Birmingham. And I went ahead and read the story and said, due to increased violence at McDonald's after 5 o'clock in an effort to try and, you know, I guess soothe feelings, they're going to start playing Beethoven <laughs> in the speakers. Then I, and I thought, okay, all right, you know, if they're having trouble with the violence and all that, I don't know that I've heard that McDonald's has been in Birmingham has had uh, missed. I missed two little letters, Lars. U K. <laughs> oh, it's Birmingham. It's Birmingham. <laughs> so anyway, I I thought that was an interesting um, way to try and squelch some of the violence in Birmingham, U K. Actually, not a bad idea. It's worth trying, certainly. Yeah, anything. You imagine people start like doing waltzes and stuff between. The... Christian, you don't strike me as a McDonald's kind of guy. Well, I, I eat my fair share. At least I used to. I don't eat it often anymore. It's very rare. But I, man, when I was in college, I had to put on all that weight. I used to go grab a McDouble about every other day. <laughs> it was right near my house. Oh actually. wow! Oh yeah. <laughs> 
their fries are pretty hard to beat. I will, I yeah. will tell you that. I, my, my kids love McDonald's. That's I, because they start marketing to children at the age of one yeah. or two. Coca-Cola does the same thing. Pepsi does the same thing. Uh, what was a survey I read once that most young children have identified with their um, soda brand, fast food, by the time they're eight? Yeah, my uh, former sister-in-law, and this still uh, rankles me a little bit, she introduced my kids to sweet tea at the age of, like, four. (laughs) So now all they want is sweet tea. And I'm trying to make sure that them, and, you know. Are you a sweet tea guy? No. I'm not either. I drink mine unsweetened with lemon. Boom. I don't drink tea, man. That's a southern. I'm not a southerner. Christian, do you drink tea? Uh, sweet tea. Not yeah. often. I, I'll be honest. Well, I really I, only drink water and Gatorade now. But, I mean, if I, if I yeah, were I'm, to drink tea, it's sweet tea. Yeah. Uh, I like English, I like English breakfast tea. I have no idea what. Wait a minute. You won't. Let me let me let me get this right. Kind 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 of hang on here just a second. <laughs> Lars is from Nebraska. He won't drink sweet tea because he wasn't raised that well. But you've been and you were raised in England, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, man. It's it, it's really good stuff. English is it like good. a hot tea? Yeah, it's a hot tea, and you get the tea bag, and yeah. you uh, you boil the water, and you pour it in, and. You drink it. Is it like Earl Grey? Is that, it, yeah, is that, yeah. It's like it's kind of like Earl Grey, okay. but it's it's much better. English breakfast tea. Well, it's, it's lovely. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, I'll, I'll figure that one out. But <laughs> on that note, uh, on, you know the sweet tea that everybody knows in the South, and I'm not running Milo's. off is Milo's, and I'm not running off potential sponsor here at all. It's too sweet. Have you ever even tasted it? I have, I have, and um, but whenever I take my my kids love Chick Fil A. Like everybody in the South, there's another one. They everybody in the South branding them at about two. Yeah, so my kids always request sweet tea at Chick Fil A, and so Chick Fil A has great lemonade. I'm a huge fan of. Yes, lemonade. they do. You? I'm with you, Matt. Yeah, no, they do. Uh, I love lemonade. And I wish I could find a place that makes real limeade, but they don't. Um, I think I told you guys I'm I'm ghostwriting a book uh, for the founder of Outback Steakhouse. Right, Bloomin' Onion. Yeah, he created the Bloomin' Onion, and uh, there's three founders, um, and none of them had ever been to Australia in their life, but they, <laughs> they they started the concept when Crocodile Dundee just came out, the movie, and uh, it was very popular. Well, was it ever? Yeah. Um, but he has told me that what Chick-fil-A has done with their drive through is absolutely just pure genius, how they can get the cars in and out. And that everybody they try to copy what Chick Fil A does, but you just you can't. You can't really. It seemed like once you figured out their formula, you'd be able to do it yeah. yourself. The one that always amazed me, if you're listening in Birmingham, was the one on two eighty. In morning rush hour, they would be like double looped around the place, I know. and they'd be out in five minutes. It yeah, was just absolutely I mean, remarkable. 
yeah, I would see pictures of Chick Fil A's in Atlanta, where you swear it's like a third of the city is in line in the drive-through in the morning. Um, but the quality of their food and their like, service. Do you like the chicken biscuit? Yeah. Uh, the only thing I don't like about I'm guilty. I'm the one that got us into this topic. The only thing I, I don't like about uh, Chick Fil A's, I don't like the waffle fries. I would rather have a French fry, and I don't like curly flies from, fries from Arby's either. I want a French fry. I want a McDonald's French fry. Something anyway. Christian, if you had your choice of any fast food drive through not that you eat there anymore, where would you go? That's tough. Uh, I do love McDonald's. I used to be a big Hardee's guy. I don't know if y'all um, are big into Hardee's, but, man, I used to love getting Hardee's. Yeah. Um, Really, between those two, off the top of my head, McDonald's or Hardee's, I, I love a good burger. I love trying burgers at different places. Um, so any place with a good burger, especially the old-fashioned kind of burgers, uh, I'm all for it. Man, Wendy's sometimes, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever had the, the what are the little shake mm. things they have? Frosties. Yeah, the Frosty. Oh, they're I used to dip the fries in the Frosty. Yeah, I know it sounds weird. Yes. Oh, yeah. Man, it was yeah. good. No. Uh, it's like putting salted peanuts in a Coca-Cola bottle. I mean, it, you kind of look at it and go, is that really going to be good? And then, whoa, it is when, good. When I was at SI and then a Bleacher Report, I'd be on the road like from Thursday to Monday, three weeks three weeks a month. I ate Subway because I, I, I always tried to eat healthy. I'd eat Subway almost every single meal. But then Subway changed their menu. And I think their menu now is horrible. It's not nearly what it used to be. No, it, it's it's horrible. And so I and it's I, way I more expensive too. There's no 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 longer a five yeah. foot long. Everything's you know a nine dollar foot long. Inflation. Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Don't you? Y'all know why? They got to pay Barkley. <laughs> you know, oh, it, yeah. It, Jersey. Have, have you guys been to Jersey Mike's? Uh, no, but I've heard it's very good. Jersey Mike's is really good. Really but that's like is. a steamed and a heated sandwich, like no. a deli. It isn't? No. Uh, is yeah, it I mean, more like Subway? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The price more like the old what, what's the uh What's the sandwich shop that's associated with Auburn? Uh, Mama Goldberg. Mama Goldberg's. Now, those, now, those are steamed. Golly. Those are good. I used to eat two or three of those a week at the University of Alabama because it was a place called Uncle Andy's. Uh... It was uh, a couple other places. Solomon served those steams. They put it underneath there. God, roast beef, smoked cheddar. And Mama Goldberg's is the only place that I – do they still have them in Tuscaloosa, Josh? Places that serve those steam sandwiches? I don't know. I'm not sure in Tuscaloosa, but they, y'all were saying in Auburn, I think they have at least three. I know yeah. two. They've got yeah, a couple in Birmingham. In, there's one in Homewood just yeah. down the road here. Um, yeah, I – when I was living in New York, like you could, just, Bees. you could you could walk into just any. Okay. Uh, they're called bodegas in New York, right? Yeah. But uh, I don't know if they do you use the word bodega here. In, no. Okay. Well, and, and you could walk into any bodega, and it's basically just like a little convenience store slash. You could just get anything. Yeah, but you could get like, like fresh produce. And... Yes. Yeah, and and they had a sandwich counter, right? And so you could get. Like go in there, get a like a turkey and cheese, and it would be just so good. 
Oh, my gosh. We it, don't it, know what delis are. Uh, you don't know yeah, what a deli yeah. is until you go to New York. Oh, and then man. You, Do they uh, beat Publix? Um, I, yeah, yeah. You know what, Josh? Publix is pretty good. You, you, Publix, I, Publix now, I think, serves the best sandwiches in Birmingham. I would know. If I, I eat them all the time. Yeah, yes. Uh, what, what do you have? I, Karen usually gets them. Um, a lot of times she'll get roast beef and like a, some kind of a white cheese, like a mozzarella, which is really, really good. I, one thing I am about my sandwiches is I love my meat and cheese, but, man, I want some lettuce. I want some pickles. I yep. want some onions. I want some chopped tomatoes. you get those garlic pickles that Publix yes. has? Oh, yeah. those are so Matt, good. How do you feel and about you get that the special public mix? The fancy what? Spring mix instead of lettuce. Getting some kale and spinach and you know purple stuff. Oh yeah, I don't. I, I don't do that. I go for the. I I, I go for this the the regular lettuce, chopped know. up lettuce. But do you get the special sauce? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, Karen. Karen will throw jalapenos on there, and I can't do that because simply I like the taste of them, but my body doesn't. And I, anyway, hey Christian, we're going to continue this conversation on the other <laughs> side of the break because now we're going to go in. We'll go from fast food to chain restaurants. How's that? That sounds good. Did we just call the show Big what I have Eats done. from now on? Yeah. <laughs> I think all three of us are hungry we'll right now. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Start I didn't know. Yes, that's a great a idea. Of grapes this morning, and that's it. Yeah, so I mean, you're right. I'm, I'm very hungry. All right, more of Big Noon Sports at lunch coming up. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Ask Big. Have you seen our artisan-created diamonds? If you've been in a room with one, you can't miss it. Tom Osmond from Fincher and Osmond. Cloudy and colder with periods of rain. Wednesday and Thursday, cloudy with rain likely. The high Wednesday, 55. Thursday's high, 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Having been in this business for a while, at times I did six and nine hour shifts. Uh, two hours is just, it's a small speed bump. How did I mean, you ever do shows by yourself? That scares the living daylights oh, talk out shows? of me. Yeah. Um, you make sure, I was fortunate because I had a good fan base or good audience. I'm a fan. But, uh, and so they would call and, and you can, you can attract callers if you come up with a really good topic. In fact, right now, if we were taking a whole lot of calls, there'd be people calling up and saying, I can't believe you don't like waffle fries. And we'd go <laughs> at that for an hour. Yeah. But the other, and really the, the best way, is to just get solid guess. Yeah. Why do you think you were on no, my show? Like, you know, 10 years I, I ago. did. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, I. Uh, you know, I, I I did basically this show with with Jay Barker for four years, and when Jay would text me in the morning and he couldn't come in, you bailed me out so many times, Matt, because I was just terrified at, at doing two hours by easy. myself. It's not easy. It is not uh, at all. Yeah, uh, uh, is 
Yeah, but but really, it's funny. But it's funny. Like, and I know Jim wouldn't care if I mentioned this. But one one day, Jim Dunaway, he this is several years ago. He had to do their own show, their their show by himself. And when he's he, used to having two yeah, partners. Yeah, and it was just Jim, and uh, he texted me. He's like, can you please, please come on? Like, I just, he wanted to have a guest, like, every segment. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. And, 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 of course, uh, I I love Jim. He's a great guy. Uh, great yeah, guy. Been a long time. And what, what Jim and Lance and Ryan are doing are, is just awesome. I'm, I'm really happy for them. And I'm happy, but I'm also envious because how they're doing it. It's a, it's yeah. A, it's a good format, and they're making it work, and. I'm proud. You know what? They're they're really smart. Like they're just staying a step ahead of everybody else, and uh, and their show is wonderful. Hey, let's take a call from Joe, who is uh, dialing in from Vestavia Hills, our home. Hello, our home. And I think I know what Joe this is. Hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, how you doing? It's good to be Life's good to good hear good. y'all. It sounds great coming in. I pull it in through the phone or the computer, and if I'm in the car, I pick it up on the station here in Birmingham. Um, Thank you, wanted Joe. To ask, yeah, I wanted to ask both of you, all, all three of you, it seemed like yesterday Cincinnati had the brakes going for them until the last 10 minutes of the game when there was the, 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 the play that was a no play, and it seemed like from their own end it all trended Kansas City's way. Joe, you are preaching to the choir. You just made my day. Uh, Kansas City had the longest punt. They just had they had the longest punt return of their season. And uh, Drew Chrisman, uh, our punter, bye bye, low line driver. But also, they missed two blocks in the back on that play. Boy, did uh, they ever! I mean, it, it, yeah, it was a confluence of events, and I. I promise, guys, after today, I will not complain about the referee. No, it's too much fun. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I just, it is entertaining. You, you don't like I, it. I don't, I, Please. I don't like, yeah, really. I don't like being that guy. Just like well, you don't want to be that now, Alabama now, fan. Now, and you if, know exactly what I'm talking Joe about. Joe and Christian and Matt want you to be that guy, <laughs> won't you? It gets me fired up, that's for sure. I'll tell and you this. And you know what? I'm, I've actually been texting with uh, uh, with Robin, one of our listeners at Smith Lake, and I've been telling her how therapeutic this time has been by you guys allowing me to talk about the Bengals and get it all out. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a saying, to verbalize is to vaporize. And I've been vaporizing my heartache. All right, let's wrap up Big Noon Sports for this Monday. We'll be back tomorrow at noon. Best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Everyone knows time is money. So don't wait weeks for the